0: I want to uh, thank um, Tammy and Matthew Reynolds. They have been guiding part of our confirmation um, process for 21 years now. And on just a rough sketch of sixth graders, that's probably anywhere from 500 to 600 sixth graders that have, have been a part of their life, and they have been a part of, of their life uh, in, the co- in, in, in our congregation. So thank you again for what you do. Uh, we love you too, Matthew, don't worry. So, but we really appreciate Tammy for what she does. And, <laughs> and uh, you, know, you vicariously get some love as well. So. Uh, but they, they give of, of themselves uh, throughout the entire school year, and, uh, which is a yeoman's task. And uh, at the same time, I want to thank the mentors. Um, your involvement is uh, more important than what you can imagine. Outside of their parents, the people that are closest to them will have the largest influence on their life. And so this whole sixth grade confirmation year is designed to expose our confirmands to influences in their life. And to, for them to, to see your involvement uh, with your faith, how that plays out in your life, And then to to sort of get a glimpse of that, I I know on behalf of our confirmands and on behalf of their parents, uh, how grateful we are to you. So thank you for your willingness to serve. Now to our class, I want to say a few things to you this morning. I want us to talk about, again, what you've done today and then really to what it's going to be like tomorrow and, and in the days to come. Since your birth, this is for every one of y'all, since your birth, your parents and the church took vows on your behalf. What they did is they they promised to to live a certain way in front of you. They promised to do certain things, to to raise you with a certain level of influence in their life, and and they did it along with the church at that time. And what the church and your parents did, well, the way we say it in the church is to confirm your hope and to perfect you in love. And so from, from your before you even realized what was going on in your life, that's what your parents and what the church was doing on your behalf. And if you can imagine like a full-length mirror, do you have a full-length mirror in your house? You know, when you stand before the mirror, it gives you a reflection. And so what the, the, your parents vowed to do and what the church vowed to do is to be a mirror to you so that when you look into that mirror when you look at them you see something reflecting back and to the best of their ability what both the parent your parents and the church vowed to do is to reflect an image that looks like God to the best of their ability to be an image of God's grace For a purpose, because faith is not designed to be in a vacuum. Faith is not designed to be uh, in a room locked. It's designed to, to be lived out. So everywhere that you go, what you do, faith is a part of that. And they wanted to give you at least an example of what it looks like to have meat on the bones, to put flesh to it. Now they did that in concert with God. Because what your parents asked God to do was to be on the other side of that equation so that God would, with them, would would combine in a way so that you would see how much you are loved by Him. And they sealed it with a sacrament. Now, sacraments in the church are those holy and most sacred acts that the church can do. It's like your parents entered into a legal binding agreement with God that they were going to do certain things and, and so that what, they, what you would see is you would see God's work in them and then at some point in the future, this is what we've celebrated, then you would take that for yourself. And so up until this moment, you've walked hand in hand with your parents and you're still going to walk with them. But little by little, you will start to leave now with your faith, not just their faith. And so over time, that will strengthen and that will grow. But they sealed it with the sacrament, the holiest thing that they can do inside the life of the church. And so today, we have acknowledged that in your life. And this giant step that you've made, what I want to do is I also want to talk a little bit about what the future is going to look like for you. Now, the good news is you're going to grow. You're going to grow physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Now, the physical will take care of itself. That's woven into your genes, and that's not something that we can stop. You're going to grow physically. And the odds are you're probably going to look like one of your parents or maybe a grandparent or something like that. But over these next maybe 10, 12 years, it's going to be a time of great growth. That you don't have to worry about. It's going to happen naturally. But the other three, the emotional, the relational, the spiritual, that's going to take intentional effort. The emotional part is over the next 10 years, and, and, and uh, boys are going to, I mean, girls are going to go fat faster than boys. Boys, it takes us a little bit longer. Some of our brains don't stop forming until we're around 23, 24, and I'd probably be an example of that. And so the girls are probably going to get it faster than the boys, but the boys will catch up, don't worry. But by the time you're 24, 25, there's going to be a lot of growth from now, emotionally, relationally. You have friends that are in your life now. Those are only going to intensify as you get older. And then maybe some of them might even become very significant, at least over, I would imagine, the next 10 years of your life, maybe maybe a little bit longer. But you have to be intentional. Spiritually, you have an opportunity. But just like the emotions and the relationships, your spiritual development You have to continue. You have to be intentional in what you do. Because what those things you have control over to whatever levels you want to mature as a person, to whatever levels of your relationships, and definitely you have control over what type of uh, of spiritual development you'll have in your life. The physical will take care of itself, but the other three... You have a pretty good control over those, on what that's going to look like in your life. But you do have to be intentional, because there are some things that you cannot control. And I like to call those seasons in a person's life. Now, not seasons like winter or summer or fall or spring, not that type of seasons, but periods of time in your life. And sometimes they will be maybe months, sometimes they might be years, sometimes they might be even even longer than that. Those things, to some degree, you can't control because things happen in our life that that are are beyond our control. And the good news about using this this example of seasons is not always going to be like that because sometimes it changes. And what you're going to discover is that in those seasons of your life, some of them are going to be difficult. Some of them might even be filled with hardship. Some of them might even be filled with pain. But some of them are going to be full of celebrations, full of joy, full of fun, maybe even what we would call full of bliss. But you're going to have both of them. There are going to be seasons and periods in your life that are going to be difficult, and there's going to be seasons and periods in your life where they are going to be easy. Some are going to be hard, some are going to be fun. And to some degree, they're beyond our control. You can control some things, how you'll respond. You can control what level of growth you're going to have emotionally. You can control what level of growth you're going to have with relationships relationally. You can control what level of growth you're going to have spiritually. And you'll need all three of those in those seasons of your life but because what every adult already knows is what I'm describing to you. And in those seasons of your life, what I really hope that you could maybe just put back into the back part of your brains is Psalm 23. Probably the most quoted chapter in all of the Bible. In this chapter, the, guy, the, 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 the author of it, King David, he actually wrote it, if you can imagine, maybe about the age of your grandparents. And he's looking back on his life at all the different seasons. And what he's discovered, in that in any of those seasons, whether they be filled with hardship or whether they be filled with joy and fun and bliss, and in both of those, he has discovered that God is like two things. First, God is like a shepherd. You know any shepherds? Neither do I. Maybe we have a few people who know some shepherds, but shepherds for the most part, it's not necessarily a profession that we have today, maybe in some areas, but in the ancient world, very popular profession. And shepherds were tasked with the responsibility to care for the flock, to care for the sheep. And so part of their responsibility is to provide the needs of the flock. And so you've got this image of a shepherd leading sheep to green pastures or to still waters. Sheep are the type of animals that seem to function at the highest level that they can whenever they're in places of peace. And so you've got this image, green pastures, still waters. And so it was the job of the shepherd to try to, to, to lead the sheep in the places that would be ones of peace and safety. But what we do know about sheep, and this is true in the ancient world and also today, they're prone to wonder, which means they might just be feeding on the pasture or, or drinking the water of the, the, uh, of the pond or the lake, and, and then they're not paying attention. But the next thing you know, they've wandered out into places where it can be dangerous or maybe even a time of distress. But it was the shepherd's job to protect even in those areas where it's not safe. And David, reflecting back on his life, realized that God was like a shepherd for him. That God had provided for him, that God had cared for him, that God would guide him into areas, whether they be easy areas or hard areas. God was there. Even something that we would classify as the darkest of valleys, it was still the shepherd's job to care. And David wrote, I have experienced God this way, to be like a shepherd for me. And that also applies to you. In those seasons of your life, when you find these things that we're either, sometimes it's on our own doing where we've wondered and we feel maybe that we're, we're opposite from, from everything else or we don't feel like we're in a normal place or even those places where it's of great safety and fun, God is still like the shepherd for you to guide, to care, and to protect when it's easy or when it's not. And then there was another image that David experienced, how he classified his relationship with God. And he said, God is like a host of a party. You ever been to a party? You like parties? I like parties. You know what the job of the host is? You want to take a stab? You're responsible for whom? The guest. And so the host's job is to take care of the guest. And in Psalm 23, the guest was David. And the guest is also you. And so this image of God as a host to care for you, to provide, to watch over. And David said it this way. He says, this host is so good, it's he anoints my head with oil. Now, oil in the ancient world was incredibly important. It was was symbolic of of either kingship, royalty. It was symbolic of blessing, but it also was very practical. They needed it for their hair, for their skin. They lived in a very arid uh, uh, time. And so it was not just symbolic, it was also practical. And the way David described God's activity in his life, he said it, it is God has anointed me so much so in abundance that I don't have the means to hold it all. It just spills over. But this image of abundance is important. Because when we talk about God's grace, most people think about God's grace in terms that it's contingent. The idea that it's contingent either on us doing something in order to earn it or deserve it, as it or, or what we think, it's contingent in the sense that if we you know, if we exhaust it, then it's going to go away. The opposite is true. Will not be exhausted. It will always overflow your cup. To say it differently is that God's goodness will always be more than anyone's badness. That's the host. Because in these seasons of your life, there are things that where, where it's going to be easy for you to get it right, and then there's going to be seasons in your life where you don't. And then you might even question, maybe even question this moment. His abundance is never exhausted. Exhausted. And then there's a summary statement right at the very end of this psalm. And so David, after he penned his words, is probably thinking of one sentence to sum it all up. And I'm going to paraphrase the sentence. God's goodness chases after you. And you can't outrun it. Because you cannot exhaust his goodness. Cannot tell you how proud we are of you. Don't have the words to do it. And for all these years, there have been people modeling their faith before you for this moment. And they're not going to stop, but now they're going to do it in conjunction with your faith growing as well. And you have an opportunity to grow at whatever speed you want to grow. The physical will take care of itself. But the emotional, the relational, and the spiritual, you have to be intentional. And in those intentional acts, you will find a God who is like a shepherd and like a host. That's what the future will be like. Intentional, yes but you do it with Him. Oh God, as we celebrate these, uh, these young men and women, and over these next years, we'll watch them grow in ways that we have only dreamed about. And all of this, may the God that is the shepherd and the God that is the host not just watch over, but to keep and to bless and to strengthen, to protect, and to guide. Lord, we pray for them as we pray for ourselves. And all this we ask in your name. Amen.